What's up, everybody? What a mighty God we serve. He is so amazing and so full of compassion and goodness. I am truly overwhelmed by the little things. So many times it is the little things that he does, the little less important things that he allows to go my way. Like he is saying, you know, Jason, I love you. Let me bless you today. Not because you need it for some big purpose, but simply because I want to. It is the favor of God with the uh, with those small things that seem to overwhelm me. It reminds me that he cares about even the tiniest details in my life, even the things that are so small uh, and wouldn't really matter to anybody else. But he cares about those things. The Alpha and Omega, the author of life, cares about the smallest details in our lives. Things that anyone else would not waste a moment of their time on. Isn't that mind-blowing to think about? Man, I pray that everyone listening today would know the fullness of God's love. I pray the favor of God would hunt you down and overtake you, and the enemy would know defeat again today. Let's put on the full armor of God and stand at the ready. God, give your people strength and courage to face the enemy head on and know that you fight for us. You uphold us with your righteous right hand. I hope that everyone listening would choose to speak life, victory, and joy into their spirit today. You know, what you choose to speak will set the course for the day. It will establish your frame of mind. It will affect uh, it will affect how you respond to different things throughout your day. Remember, the enemy cannot read your mind or hear your thoughts. He is not like God. So what you speak matters because that he can hear. And he may see an opportunity to use your words against you. The word of God says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. So speak life. Okay, let's dive into today's message, uh, which is titled, Say the Word. Do you have someone in your life that you know all you have to do is say the word and you know that it will be done? You know that it'll get done? Maybe you're in a position of authority at your job or work and all you have to do is say the word and things get done. That is where we pick up today. A centurion sends people to Jesus on behalf of his, of him, but in regards to his servant who is not well. This story is riddled with humility and faith to the point where even, even Jesus is amazed at this guy's faith. You know, I don't know about you, but I want that kind of faith, a faith that impresses my Savior. You know, you can find the story in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. But I will say that at first it seems like there are some differences in the details regarding this account to the point where it might seem like they can they um, conflict with each other. But you have to look at it like this. Based on how it, the details regarding this account, you know, based on how Matthew chose to record it versus how Luke chose to record it, are done for a reason but Matthew you gotta understand he wrote it with the Jews in mind and Luke wrote it with the Gentiles in mind so that plays a role in the details that are felt to be important based on you know who they're writing it for so you know different audiences and they kind of focus on different details so the other thing is Matthew refers to the centurion speaking to um Speaking to Jesus, much like we would re- regarding someone who, uh, like the president, for example, 
or the CEO of a big company. You know, if the media reported uh, reported it, they would likely say that the president told so-and-so this or that, when in fact someone who works for the president was likely the one who delivered the actual message to the person. So the president may have said it, but the message was delivered by someone else as if the president said it personally. John 19.1 says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. But we know that Pilate did not actually flog Jesus himself. He had someone else, you know, do that. That is why some translations say that Pilate had had um, had Jesus flogged. You know that he took Jesus and had him flogged in order to clarify. While other translations, like the King James version, just say that Pilate flogged Jesus. You know, I hope that you understand the point I'm trying to make and how it relates to the gospel. To, to how these gospels dif- differ in their recording of this account. But when it comes to the recording of the miracle itself, there is no discrepancy. Both accounts record the truth of the miracle and the lesson to be learned from it very clearly. So let's take a look at Luke's account. Luke 7, 1-6 says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. All right, so first of all, We know this centurion is not like most, just by what he is willing to do for his servant. He loves this servant and highly values him. Now, this centurion had never met Jesus, only heard talk of him. But he believed Jesus could do what no one else could do. He sends some Jewish elders to speak on his behalf, and they vouch for the servant, and they tell Jesus that the centurion is worthy of Jesus' help. Now, that he deserves it because of what he has done for the Jewish people. So don't miss how important this is. You know, Jewish elders telling Jesus that a Gentile is worthy, even though the Gentile does not think he is worthy, that is an amazing thing for that day and time. So verses 6 through 8, we'll pick up there, and it says, He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I, for I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. Say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Here we see the humility of this Gentile centurion. He heard Jesus was coming, and he sent friends to intercept him, to stop Jesus, because he doesn't feel worthy to have Jesus under his roof. Clearly, Jesus did not feel the same way because he was, you know, he didn't feel like that toward the the Gentile because he was on his way to the house. So Jesus wasn't, um, you know, Jesus did not like he was, you know, too good to to go to this guy. It didn't matter that he was a Gentile, okay? Because Jesus came to the cross for all people, 
right? And he knew what his purpose was. But this man heard Jesus and heard of Jesus and didn't feel you know worthy to even speak directly to him. This centurion Gentile shows such humility, and that is unique. And is why I said that he was not like most, because the Romans, by and large, thought they were better than the Jewish people. But what amazes Jesus is his faith. This guy had only heard of Jesus, yet his faith was stronger than those who had seen Jesus do miracles right in front of them, including most of the disciples. He tells Jesus, just say the word and I know that my servant will be healed. I love the analogy that he uses about authority. The centurion says if he tells someone to go, they go, referring to his authority as a Roman military officer. But Jesus has no army, and this guy is asking him to heal his servant. So what is he implying? He was stating that he understands Jesus has the authority over life. If he gives the order, the sickness must leave. Death must flee from him. That's an impressive amount of faith for someone who never met Jesus, not to mention he was a Gentile. This centurion had an understanding that few could comprehend. He recognized Jesus' authority. You know, do we ever stop and realize, or actually, do we ever stop and just really think about that? You know, I mean, we have all this information and we are inundated with so much that sometimes I think we get numb to it to who Jesus really is and what he did for us. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Death must bow and surrender before Jesus. He was there before time, and he exists outside of time. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is who I serve. That is who we serve. That is our Savior. The one who paid it all, the one who endured the cross for me and you, the one who intercedes on our behalf before the Father, he is my shield. When the enemy comes, I remind him that he has to get through Jesus first before he can get to me. You see, when Jesus is on your side, the enemy has no hope. Darkness must run and hide because nothing can stand against him. Jesus responds to the centurion, uh, to the centurion's uh, display of faith in verse 9 and 10. He says, When he heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel, in all of Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. You know, here was a Gentile that was demonstrating more faith than any of the Jews. But what I want to highlight is what Matthew records regarding Jesus' Jesus's response. Matthew records the same initial response as Luke, but Matthew includes a little more because it was for the Jews. Matthew um, 8, 11, and 12 says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth jesus is saying the kingdom of god is not just for the jews the gospel will go out across the earth and the gentiles will have a place at the table as well he was letting them know that the outsiders won't be outsiders anymore we will have a place at the table with abraham isaac and jacob but he was also warning the jews that 
that were listening that the subjects of the kingdom, meaning the Jews who didn't believe, who lacked faith, would be cast out of the kingdom and thrown into darkness, referring to hell. In closing, let me say this. Let me just say that there are so many things in the story that give me hope, encourage me, and teach me, and warn me, and remind me of the goodness of God. I desire to live in a way that demonstrates the kind of faith that moves God, the kind of faith that impresses my Savior. Take a moment today just to stop and let yourself remember the greatness of our God and the redeeming power of our Savior. God, your goodness cannot be described, nor can it be contained. I pray that your people would stop and just take a moment to reflect on all that you are, or at least all that we can comprehend. Help us to be a reflection of our Savior. I pray that you would watch over your people and continue to guide our steps. Use us for your glory. God, fill your people with purpose and set their spirit on fire for you. Let our faith burn with an intensity that cannot be contained. Help us to always remember to be people that walk the walk. Let our lives be a testimony to the world and let it speak of your love, your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, and your never-ending favor. Let us live a life not in vain, but in the promise of eternity. May we always be sure to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen.